0: Fans, and welcome to the third edition of the rerun the rivalry series for this Christmas time of 2022. Our little gift to you and by our I mean myself you let me tell you something co-host Lorcan Mullen and your other let me tell you something co-host
1: Simon Cross.
0: I wasn't going to say my little helper elf to my father Christmas that's just implied. Yeah, It's not implied if you say it out loud. <laughs> I was going to say like you've sort of peeled back the curtain there
1: and, and not in the good way.
0: Do you want to be the elf, or do you want to be Mother Christmas? That's the, that's the other choice. Why are those... Th- <laughs> Can I not be Rudolph?
1: Why is Rudolph not an option?
0: I mean, it's a weird thing, isn't it? Because you're quite sh- you're actually a bit taller than I am, but I'm also substantially fatter. <laughs> well, I don't know. I've seen some recent pictures. Maybe substantially is no longer oh. the case. Oh. <laughs> Still fatter, but, you know, you'll get there one day, lad. You'll get there one day. <laughs> Well,
1: I'm brimming with confidence and happiness now, but let's talk about some wrestling.
0: (laughs) We're going to talk about two men who certainly are nowhere near Father Christmas uh, or ourselves in physique proportions. It's the third match between Okada and Tanahashi. Now, the shifting pendulum of expectation has gone wildly the other way. After being completely demolished in his Young Lions finale, Okada came back and gave Tanahashi a beating the likes of which he hadn't experienced in a long time, and took the IWGP heavyweight title that he'd been holding for more than a year at that point, at his first attempt. He's been able to, since this time, weather the challenges of Tetsuya Naito, and New Japan Cup winner Hiroki Goto, who also had beaten Tanahashi in the final to get that title shot, but Tanahashi emerged straight after to get his title rematch At Dominion, the second biggest event of the New Japan calendar. And that's where we are today. Yes, to
1: be precise, to pin it to a date, the 16th of June 2012. So four months and four days removed from Okada's win.
0: Now, this is where we make a huge step up. This is the first classic match between Tanahashi and Okada. The kind of match that... If you were to give it a 5 star rating. I wouldn't say you're a madman. At this point in time. For me. I'm giving it out early. It's either 4 and 3 quarters or 5 stars for me. I can only think of like. First um, FTR. Briscoe Brothers match. As a match from this year. That I would maybe say is as good or slightly better. Um, We've had a lot of matches that got rated 5 stars. Which this didn't get from Meltzer. But it did get. A four and three quarter star rating. Whatever lack of confidence he had in Okada at the time seems to rapidly be vanishing. And on Cage Match, this took a whole point leap from the last match's eight point four seven. This has a match rating average of nine point five two out of ten. Oh,
1: so not a point point zero five leap to be precise.
0: Yeah, 1.05 increase, and amazingly, even though 9.52, when you think as an average score, how high that is, it's still only the sixth highest rated match between these two. So according to Cage Match, we've got five more matches that are even better than this one. Now, that's just my opinion. I've just sort of let the, you know, jump the gun there, Simon. Would you also say that this was the first great match that we're seeing in this rivalry?
1: Yeah, uh, I'd say the level has definitely increased in the, in this match. Our table's been set, really, with the previous match. And one of the beauties of doing this series is obviously we get to watch all of the matches back to back to back to back. Having Watching these matches only a couple of days apart, rather than the real-time wait of four months and four days, you can see that how the story develops... Quite quickly, between two checkpoints, I guess, in the tale.
0: It's obvious that Tanahashi knows that this time, he's ready for this match. He wasn't ready for the last match, and it's even represented by his physique. Do you think he's been humbled a bit? Oh yeah, definitely. He won't show it. He shows it by how seriously he takes Okada from the start, and how desperate he is, and how much thought and strategy he's clearly put into this much and how much he's pushed his own body to the limits because the physique that tanahashi displays here is impressive even for tanahashi physiques there is like next to no body fat he's like leaned out and bulked up at the same time and you didn't think he had much to go from before
1: oh no 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 he he can find something he can always find something
0: So whilst Tanahashi has honed his physique and sharpened his mind and set out a game plan this match, Okada just has full, complete trust, and now we're starting to see, really, that rainmaker. As I was saying, the previous match, when he comes in first, his entrance is over in, like, 30 seconds. He just wants to get to the match. He's soaking it in now. He stands at the ramp. He takes in the crowd. He gets the display of, like, flying Okada money... Making it rain.
1: <laughs> Okada bills.
0: He's got got like a red variant on some of his clothing. It's more of a deep red. The the purple streak has gone from the hair. We're now seeing sort of the classic blonde Ric Flair 2.0.
1: All grown up Okada kind of thing in a way.
0: He soaks in the crowd more in his poses. And my God. Another example of why I think that Okada is like. To me, if I was to try and describe Okada to someone, it's like imagine Ric Flair crossed with Cristiano Ronaldo. Like Ric Flair, he just looks right with a big gold belt wrapped around his waist. Mm. And god, I miss the IWGP Heavyweight Championship belt.
1: We've covered that in depth on, in other um, facets of what we do, but I completely agree with you. It's just gorgeous. It's gorgeous in an understated way. It's not flashy, but it's prestigious.
0: I think still the the protagonist of this match, I think to most people, is still Tanahashi. It is seeing how do you react after you've been completely destroyed by this guy before, that you underestimated, and... Are you actually still the better wrestler and the Okada that you can ultimately dismantle Okada the same way that Okada dismantled you, as long as you now show him the respect that he's due. This isn't the young lion from match one. Yeah, This is some physically gifted, taller than you, seemingly stronger than you and younger than you version. Now, do you still have the hunger and can you still play your strengths up enough to beat this new challenge that is facing you.
1: Yeah, and slightly just beyond the card itself, like you you talk about hunger there, Lorcan. and he's it's his record has like, you know, come to an end just four months ago. Does he have the hunger, the motivation to get back up in general? Never mind the immediate obstacle in front of him. Like, you know, you you've literally been at your pinnacle in your company. Where do you go from there?
0: And so, this is the way that you now try and see... Who does th- who does it lie with? Who is one and who is two in this rivalry still? Who is the guy that you seed first and who's the guy that you seed second? Who is the ace? That is now the question that's going to start being told. Because Okada has defended it successfully against Naito. The guy that was doing all the right things to get to this place. And he's still not there. And he has beaten Goto. The guy that beat Tanahashi for the New Japan Cup. I think the key, what I think is most important is the story of this match. Because, you know, again, we're just, we'll just we talk the result early on. Tanahashi does win. But this is not Tanahashi destroying Okada in the same way that Okada destroyed him. And this is not Tanahashi showing that he's ultimately still by far the better wrestler. Tanahashi has almost nothing left in him when he gets the win in this match. And even if Okada himself maybe underestimated Tanahashi he was still able to give Tanahashi the fight of his life that Tanahashi wasn't able to give Okada in the previous match.
1: Yeah, and you talk about having nothing left. He also has gone through various levels. He's gone through the gears, I should say, in terms of like estimation of Okada and the way he treats him in this particular match. In the last episode of this series, when we covered the last match, Okada was like the aggressive one. You look you look at the first few moves of this match beyond the typical New Japan early stalemate between two of the leading lights in their federation at any one time in around this period and onward. We spilled to the outside and Tanahashi just basically m- tries to murder every ligament in Okada's leg.
0: Yes. That's the key because early on he's like I'm going to go for the knee, not like in the previous match where it's like oh shit nothing else is working, I'll go to my go-to-the-knee strategy. At the start, as soon as he gets an opening, he does it, and as you say, it's not through the usual Tanahashi way, which is the technical Bret Hart wrestler way that you dismantle a body part, which is you target it with precise drop kicks and dragon screw leg whips, and you use the New Japan style, you know, you follow on from how Tatsumi Fujinami, that consummate professional wrestler, and Kijimutou, That's sort of the lineage that Tanahashi's been following down from, that technical in-ring IQ wrestler that goes all the way from Inoki. Instead, he gives Okada a taste of his own medicine and just uses parts of the ringside area to beat it. And, And this is the first of many instances where the clearly good guy virtuous... Tanahashi in most other instances knows in order to get one up on Okada he's got to be as vicious as the guy who tombstoned him on the outside of the in the arena floor in the previous match so he's got to match him viciousness for viciousness and Okada is similarly just as vicious as he always is and the funny thing is now this time Okada thinks that what he did the previous time will be enough this time which is the neck attacks but Tanahashi clearly Pushes him beyond. This is the match that the returning young upstarts that makes their return as like a fully fledged, matured figure has, where they take their opponents to the limit but can't quite finish the job. You know, like Jay White has in his Wrestle Kingdom match against Hiroshi Tanahashi, like the match that Shota Umino recently had with Will Ospreay there's numerous examples of that that you can bring up Hiroshi Tenzan quite early into his return from his learning excursion challenged Kensuke Sasuke for the IWGB heavyweight title and he was only like Okada's age when he won the title as well like 23 but in those instances they fall short and for a lot of them it takes them multiple years to get to that we'll see how long it takes Umino with this one Okada sort of learns that lesson but He's already got an IWGP heavyweight championship reign under his belt already. <laughs> so there's only so much he can learn from it.
1: Kind of like a further example of his cue skipping, which obviously like stuck in Naito's crawl so much. The way I saw it in this is Tanahashi's brought e- extra mustard to the fight. Okada hasn't really, but
0: he's he's not needed to. He's so relaxed at the start of the match. He uh, Tanahashi has got his like squat ready for battle pose as the bell rings, and Okada's literally just leaning against the ropes in the corner. And for the start of the match, it's like Okada... Tanahashi again tries to do the headlock takedowns... And Okada just keeps getting him in head scissors Stalemate. And they stand up and... T- Okada always makes sure to loom over Tanahashi. Yes. To show off his height difference. And sometimes when Tanahashi's still on the mat... From that mat wrestling exchange... Okada's up on his feet. Standing over him. Reminding him... Last time we were in the ring together... I literally was standing with my foot on you... After I'd beaten you completely. Mm. I'm just... I overshadow you already. Yeah, And I'm only 23. Yeah, you are in my world. Th- that-, that is where you are. Which was what Tanahashi had been doing in the Young Lion match and in the follow-up match in the early stages with the headlock control. And it's just like, I'm just on this other level with you, technically. I just You can't catch up to me with the skills and the knowledge that I have. But now Okada's like, you can't catch up to me on just a physical level. And I think it's key throughout this whole match, even though Tanahashi is wrestling the perfect match against Okada and is the rightful victor. Whenever it goes to a toe-to-toe exchange of strikes or anything, Okada still wins them. Mm. They have a forearm exchange in the corner, and Okada knocks him down to the mat. Tanahashi surprises him with a few slaps, which takes Okada to his knee, but then the next thing that happens is ok- Tanahashi runs the ropes, and Okada just hits him with another one of his just gorgeous drop kicks. Yeah. And that was the first one where the camera really captures the beauty of the Okada dropkick.
1: God, it is a thing of beauty, isn't it?
0: There are very few things in wrestling I like watching more than Okada hit a drop kick.
1: Yeah. Again, in the last match, we talked about whenever Tanahashi got an advantage, it was through evasion, not through seizing the advantage. Well, he
0: seizes it through evading it, but I know what you mean. He doesn't overpower That's what I mean. Tana- that, Okada. Bit yeah, I get yeah, what language. you mean by that.
1: Where um, I'm looking at my, no- my notes for this match and what sets it apart from the previous one. Okada doesn't get to hit the Rainmaker. He tries on three separate occasions and each time Tanahashi finds a way for it not to hit him or finds a way to use that momentum against Okada and hit him with something. This man has sat since February watching hours and hours and hours of tape of that move. This is a man who needs to right that wrong kind of thing.
0: I don't know if you can, but that's the crazy thing about Okada at this point. You don't have hours and hours and hours of tape of him doing that move. I know what you mean in the sense of Tanahashi is clearly in his head, spent hours and hours and hours thinking of how can I avoid it? What are the different methods I can do? I can, If he does it like this, I can turn it into a sling blade. If he does it like this, I can duck it and turn it into a German suplex or a dragon suplex. And that's what we see at some points. Uh, that's also the wonderful thing that o- Tanahashi does, the adaptation. That he goes for the dragon suplex, which is another one of the moves that he inherits from Fujinami. But instead, Okada's so strong that he can you know, he can power out of the full Nelson. But Tanahashi takes the downward movement of the arms and then turns it into a straight jacket suplex. Yeah. That he can then hit him instead. So he's got the counter to the counter.
1: He, sp- he spent a lot of time planning for this match which wasn't evident in the previous match because he A he couldn't really because there wasn't a lot of tape as you point out and there still isn't a lot of tape at this point but it was even less then and B he didn't think he needed to yeah who is this dude (laughs) yeah
0: Well, he knows now, and he knows that he's got to be brutal with him as well. Like I said, he can't just be the finesse, sophisticated, technical guy like he was in their first match. When he goes for the knee, he's got to ram it against a a ring post. He's got to put hard elbows and stomps and wrench and And turn it into an Indian... Yeah, well. chop blocks and turn it into an Indian Deathlock, which is another move that Bockwinkle does to Hennig in their match. So I would not be surprised if that was a match and those are matches that Tanahashi did study mm. for this match. Because there are so many little funny coincidences, like I said, with the headlock sequences and him doing that hold and the way that he presents against someone who's slightly physically taller than him and younger than him. How do you outwit him with your and how do you out technique him? Yeah. And he's trying to find the counter to everything, and he gets it with the Okada tries to knock him to the outside, and Tanahashi's able to do it to the skin the cats.
1: Oh, which is a great show off moment, and the crowd are like, oh, Okay, yes. This is it. this is our boy. This is our boy.
0: <laughs> but then it's the case that Okada can think of the counter within the match itself, I suppose. He's not gonna wait for the rematch. He knows it already because he sees it. He gets Tanahashi into the corner and then he hits the drop kick that sends him to the outside. And that is always the first sign of Okada stepping this upper level. And that is also the first moment in the previous match where he was able to take control and inflict that beating on the outside to Tanahashi. He does it again, but this time with a certain amount of revenge, given that Tanahashi was the first one to at least take part of Okada's body to the outside, if not not all of it. Yeah,
1: and also... uh added emphasis it's like no I fr- I threw you outside of the ring that's where you're supposed to be and I'm going to make bloody sure of it now
0: and also as I was saying in the previous match it had been more the New Japan and Chaos elements of it where uh, Tanahashi had had guys like Taguchi and Nagata in the corner with him and they were all surprised that this young upstart beat them as well and this time there didn't seem to be any of them there i guess it was tanahashi's like i'm gonna do this for myself not so much for new japan this isn't new japan versus chaos this is me versus this guy yeah because like
1: i only know okada chaos and and you alluded to chaos a little bit in the last episode so you've explained that they were a heel faction at this point so what 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 were Chaos around 2012, really?
0: Well, Chaos was a formation a realignment. essentially. The big heel group at the time had been GBH, Great Bash Heel, which was led by uh, Togi Makabe. And Nakamura was trying to return New Japan to his version of Strong Style. I can't remember what his group was called at the time. But he had a match with Togi Makabe, who had been one of his big rivals at this time. And Toriyano, Makabe's key, like, lieutenant, turned on him. Sort of similar to the Gado turning on Okada moment. And with them, he took most of GBH with him. Okay. And they all took to Nakamura, and under Nakamura, they rebranded as Chaos. Ah. Pretty much the only person to stick with Togi Makabe and GBH was uh, Tamawaki Honma oh <laughs> because Macabe had shown him the loyalty that you know no one else had yeah
1: uh, that reminds me of a moment uh where we talk about when tetsuya naito wins wrestle kingdom years later and gets attacked by kenta and then it's bushi that
0: turns <laughs> up <laughs> <laughs> it's like well at least he was there <laughs> yeah i made an effort Where's everyone else? <laughs> they're, they're weird like that, Losinga Benabla. like, they don't even come out to cheer on um, Takahashi when he wins the best of the Super Juniors most of the time. Like, it's it's, it's, uh, it's come and goes whether any of them will turn up for him.
1: I mean, they are literally ingovernab- ungovernable, so...
0: By this point, Chaos is like this alternative New Japan, but then, of course, this is around the time of the Bullet Club is coming into formation, and that changes things up as well for Chaos as much as anything. And, of course, Okada's Nakamura at this time is called the Forbidden Match, and it doesn't happen until they have to face each other in the G1 climate. Often the way, isn't it? But it is weird that, like... Because this, this is when Nakamura is now kind of obsessed with the IWGP Intercontinental title, and turning that... And so that allows Okada, who you would think would be the number two in the order, and he should be the IC title holder. Instead, he's the one that gets to face off with Tanahashi most of the time for the heavyweight title. Yeah. But Nakamura just is in his own little world.
1: Yeah. I mean, they've got the US title on top of all that now, haven't they? Well, they had, and then merged, and it got,
0: it's got messy recently. Yeah, let's not get into that. Let's not get into all that. This is simple, pure storytelling that we're getting. And as Tanahashi's going on, you can see he's building in confidence, but like, unlike Okada, where he's got this big smirk on his face and he's in full control, Tanahashi is struggling. He's sweating his neck. His neck is being attacked with equal viciousness. Like, when Tana, when Okada gets him into, like, his sort of grounded money clip hold again, he's, like, striking him with nasty elbows to the back of the neck as well. Yeah, which he may so, have learned
1: from his Kale stable mate.
0: So it's a case that Tanashi is still taking the beating, but he's not surprised by the beating he's taking this time. And he knows how to hurt Okada. And that's another thing in this match that... Because Okada does do these great little facial cues of where he is and, and how he's going on in the match. Like I said in the previous match, it's the smirk. It's the growing in confidence. And in this match, it the smirk comes back occasionally, but just as often it's taken by surprise or a glazed-over look in his eyes. And he can't... He's never faced this level of adversity either since he himself has become the Rainmaker. Yes.
1: Not in this format, he hasn't. You're right.
0: I mean, we haven't seen the Naito-Goto matches, but it seems like that's the story that is being told. That, like, this is, you know, it's that classic thing of, you know, winning the easy part, holding on to it's the true work.
1: (laughs) Do you reckon Gano had um, a series of envelopes in his desk of, like, moves that Okada would let himself down on in this
0: match? Maybe. Maybe maybe he does run the replays. But it seems like it's always been just that... Gedo's just his booster. He's not going to criticise Okada because Okada's, like, his meal tickets. <laughs> so... he's, he's he's more proud dad than helicopter dad, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. But Okada still is just hitting Tanahashi with such amazing moves and his, his speed and his agility and his strength and his size are so impressive. Like when he hits a running low drop kick to the neck and the speed and the accuracy and the devastation of it just looks so good. Or he surprises him. He keeps surprising him with these submission holes that we don't see from him anymore. He's got this weird sort of standing... It's like a neck crank version of an abdominal stretch. Yeah, yeah. Another move you don't really see him do anymore.
1: You must be really into fusion because he's just trying to find various other holds and fuse them into neck cranks.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it's like Tanahashi is wrestling the right match, but he's still, this is going to be such a challenge for him. It's not going to be, he can't walk over Okada the same way that Okada walked over him.
1: And his intention is to make sure Okada just can't walk by the end.
0: He just has to find these small openings when Okada is in control, and he gets it by dodging things. He dodges a charge in the corner, hits a flurry of strikes, and when Okada looks to do what he did the previous time, which was send him into the ropes and hit him with a drop kick, instead Tanahashi is able to preempt him with a flying forearm. Tanahashi's prepared this time, but he's had he has to go through hell still in order to get back to the top of the mountain. Yeah, that's, pre- that, that's basically what's being told here. Okada is no fluke. To beat Okada, you've got to be at your best, and Tanahashi reaches it this time.
1: Yeah, but then, like you say, by the end, even though he's won, he is exhausted. It's like, I've I've had to go through all of this, and this guy is so much younger than me, and so new, and so inexperienced.
0: And the moments when he gets Okada in trouble, and he actually does try to do a bit of posing, he does his version of, it's not the Rainmaker pose, but it's sort of like his raised arms pose, and he does that and then almost automatically Okada hits him with a flapjack. (laughs) So it's like, you can beat him, but you can wrestle the perfect match, but you can't control him anymore, you can't Just utterly decisively defeating with no problem. You can't make it the complete victory that Okada got over you in the previous match.
1: Yeah, it's never going to be a formality again.
0: But yeah, like you say, he just avoids, for the most part, he avoids stuff. We do get into the finishing straight again, and it is exciting. But I think what I like about it is that through it all, there is that sense that Okada is fighting from underneath, and he is a bit surprised to be there, and he's getting more and more that glazed look in his eyes. Because the knee strike, the knee attacks have been longer throughout the match and have been more effective, that when Okada does do something like he does the dropping on the back, like sort of the Emerald Flosion thing, but onto his knee, that hurts his knee. I always have it down as a modified
1: white noise.
0: Yeah, when he goes for the high fly flow, and Okada's able to get his knees up, and it's also good with that because it's like he hits him on the back first... And then Okada rolls, but he rolls further away, so Tanahashi has to cover more distance as well. And that gives Okada enough time to get the knees up. But again, the pain that that causes him, and he's not got enough time to get in, and he's drained and he's exasperated at this point. And Tanahashi has this experience of being taken physically to the limit and fighting through it. And this is the first time Okada's having to experience it, and he doesn't quite have it yet.
1: Exactly. Like, he's not built up his callus. It's like, his experience is now.
0: That versatility, that holding on, and that's the ultimate lesson that we realise. So, this is the first obstacle that Okada's had to face. So, this is the first time that Okada has his own story in which you can now perceive him as the true protagonist of this story. The, the the key focus for these two matches has been Tanahashi. We've seen a Tanahashi redemption arc of sorts. That, you know, if this was the old Territory days where the big monster heel comes in and beats Jerry Lawler and then Jerry Lawler wins the rematch and the monster goes off to the next Territory, your King Kong Bundys, your Lord Humonguses, your Giant Kamalas, whoever it was. Whoa,
1: whoa, whoa, whoa,
0: whoa, whoa. One sec. Lord Humongous that was one of the names that Sid Vicious had before he became Sid Vicious. Sid
1: Vicious was a guy called Lord Humongous.
0: Yeah. But that was that's based on as with so much of wrestling at that time period was based on the character from the Road Warrior. Right Just walk away. Just walk away and I will spare your lives. That's Lord Humongous. You may not have seen Mad Max, but you might have seen the South Park parody of it. And this is also where you get in the first sort of battle of wills towards the end when they're fighting over the gut wrench. Is Okada going to get to hit that tombstone that signaled the end of Tanahashi the last time? First, Tanahashi's able to fight out of it, and then the second time he's able to reverse out of it and hit Tanahashi with the tombstone. And instead, that becomes the beginning of the M for Okada. So it's like last time, Okada was in control, they're doing the standing switches and it ends with Okada being able to hit the Rainmaker and that being enough for Tanahashi. Instead, the standing switches end with Tanahashi hitting the Sling Blade. Okada is dazed and Tanahashi can then hit the high fly flow properly and get the win at the 28 minutes and 6 second mark. And it's the last match until 2019 that does not hit the 30 minute mark. So, thank the lord for small mercies there. But, Boy, we may have bitten off more than we can chew with this project. (laughs) (laughs) The more I think about it, the more I think this is a five-star match. This is just perfect wrestling. A perfect story told and within a more reasonable amount of time than they usually need to nowadays. The crowd's at fever pitch. It it just does every, every aspect of the story that needs to be told, it's told. And the need for it to be this epic back and forth works within the story that they've told with the previous match. So the previous match has essentially been... The setup for this even better match down the line at their bigger event, you know, their their SummerSlam essentially.
1: You say epic, but obviously we've not hit epic levels of epicness yet.
0: <laughs> it's as epic as it ever needed to be. I don't see how any this match would have been improved by another five to ten minutes of it. But that's what we're gonna get in the future.
1: Yes, yes.
0: But like I said, according to Cage Match, we've got at least five more better than this to come. So you know, buckle in. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Buckle up, buckaroos.
0: Yeah. How about you, Simon? Where would you go with ratings? <sighs> probably five. Yeah. So there we go. I mean, you know, I don't know if we do a recommendation. You know, the key recommendation is just probably just watch all of them, but especially go out of your way to see this because this, this is not one of the ones that we've covered already for the Meltzer five-star project. As I said, Meltzer gave it four and three-quarter stars, which implies that it's worse than... You know, more than a dozen matches that we've covered this week, this year. (laughs) This week? Oh, God. It can feel like that sometimes. It can. That's where we are, but this is only Act 1 on our hands now. Because now, Okada, is he a flash in the pan? Well, this match would suggest not. And not only does it suggest not, a month later, the G1 Climax starts, and Okada, on his first try wins the G1 Climax, and it introduces a new policy. No longer is the G1 Climax winner going to then take on the champ at, like, the October event, which was usually the case, like King of Pro Wrestling. He's holding on to that bad boy, and he's going to face Okada at Wrestle Kingdom. Go hard. And that's what we have waiting for us next. A year on from Okada's first challenge, we're getting match number four, Wrestle Kingdom 7. It's something to look forward to, isn't it, Simon?
1: Indeed. Go hard or go home.
0: But until then, Simon, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do so?
1: People can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm as Simon Cross free, free for, and some of you guys might have figured this one out, considering we're doing a series, free for the third match in this series we're doing.
0: My name's Lorcan Mullen, that's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A-N, that are the second and third letters in Tanaka, as in Masato Tanaka who was one of the two figures to challenge Tanahashi to a title match after this. Tanahashi barely having the energy to say fuck off. Uh, that's my Twitter handle, Instagram, Facebook, letterbox. If you put an at gmail.com at the end of it, that's my email address. Get in touch with the show at lntyspod at gmail.com. Lntyspod is also our Twitter and Facebook handles. But there's nothing left to say at this point, except that my name's Lorcan Mullen.
1: My name's Simon Cross.
0: Thank you for letting us tell you something, and I hope you'll continue on with us as we rerun The rival.